If you're looking for the best horror, thriller, sci-fi and WTF audio fiction this side of the apocalypse, then you should listen to The Other Stories. With over 500 stories on the podcast feed already and news stories dropping every single Monday morning, The Other Stories is your new best friend. Check out The Other Stories today on any and all podcast platforms or head to theotherstories.net. After all, these aren't the stories your mother used to tell you. These are The Other Stories. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to the Horror Hangout Podcast, where two bearded film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time. My name is Luke Condor with Kate, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, Mr. Mr. Ben Errington. Mr. Ben Errington, this is the 100th time we've spoken in person. We've never <laughs> spoken to person. each other outside of this uh, podcast. Well, I like to keep it. I like to keep it to a minimum. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you speak to someone for like an hour plus, one, one week, you yeah. want to keep. Time you're like, nah, not interested. No, because then it becomes a marriage. <laughs> like I'm sure if we talk to any more than we already do, uh, I probably, I think we'd be technically in a relationship, and we'd have to change our Facebook status. Yeah. Well, I've been tempted to change my Facebook status once. <laughs> I have. But I didn't tell you. I have. I have. <laughs> change yours, I've done it. Everyone else can see it. You can. Yeah. yeah. I blocked you. So you've done that intro a hundred times. Well, I think you've done that intro ninety nine times. But I did it once, if you remember. Yeah, it was literally yeah. like. Yeah. So, it, do you feel like it's second nature now? Do you have to read it? Is it written down somewhere and you read it out or not? No, I don't read it, and that's that's why I get it wrong sometimes. Still, <laughs> like a hundred <laughs> times, and I still get it wrong sometimes. If you got it, I think you're pretty much a hundred percent. You got it must have a ninety nine point five percent record. I think what it is is. My brain's like, you can't just say it the same way, exactly the same time. So my brain's trying to find new frequencies to hit. <laughs> so yeah. my voice might break on the second word or the fourth word, uh, but it'll break at some point. Can I mix it up? I've noticed that up. I'm going through sort of a second puberty. My voice is dropping a second time. It's either dropping or reverting back to its young, <laughs> youthful state. I'm not too sure. It's dropping even deeper. No, it's either it's either dropping even deeper or getting or it's going back to the old fashioned pre teen years. Because my voice okay. keeps cracking. Yeah, I keep Hello. It just keeps coming out and sort of 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just your voice trying to keep you on your toes, you know. Yeah. I always think, you know, like, you know like the voice Batman does. Yeah. Main Nolan version. Imagine like his voice broke at one point when he was doing that. You look all right, idiot. Because <laughs> <laughs> if he talks like that, I mean, I'm take some practice. But if he talks like that, like surely he gets a horrific cough and just has to stop yeah. stop his interrogations just to. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> Christian Bale, like he does that voice, doesn't he? But in yeah. in the in the Ben Affleck versions, he's got like a little modulator thing, hasn't he? I think Batman would use the modulator. That makes more sense. Yeah. He's got to do a voice though, because you can't just go, "All right," because I'll just go, "Are you are you Bruce Wayne or something?" You sound like him. Because I'd be I reckon it'd be pretty damn. I reckon it'd be good to. It'd be yeah. easy to identify Bruce Wayne's voice, considering how famous he is in the. He's Gotham. on TV. He's on TV all the time. That he should. Yeah. He should put on a voice like. When he's Batman, he should put on your... When you go full Bristol. <laughs> All right, mate. <laughs> right, mate. I'm Batman over here, and I, I'm sorry I scared you. Threw a batarang at you, didn't I? I'm real sorry about that. Yeah, that's terrifying. <clears throat> Come for a pint of cider? Absolutely terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. Uh, so this is the 100th episode. Um, I don't know if I've got anything special lined up. Have you? You what? Uh, well, it's just special enough to just be sharing the 100th episode with you, Luke. You agree? <laughs> you drank slowly. <laughs> I suppose, uh, think about what else you could have achieved with that if you didn't do these episodes. Well, if you didn't do so a week. That's not, not, just, not just the recording of it, right? Not just the recording, the editing, the uploading. The editing, he says. As the if there's any sort of editing going on. <laughs> What? As if there's any editing going on. I just <laughs> yeah. whop it all into get... the logic and upload. It's literally when I make when I make the YouTube video, I just go, here's an end, here's a, here's a start, here's the end, chuck it in. Whatever happens, happens. Sometimes when I know we've gone wrong halfway through, I've got to like cut something out. Yeah. But then that's when it becomes a chore because I'm like, oh, where was it? Yeah. Oh. Sometimes I spend 30 seconds editing. I'm like, oh, God, give me a break. Yeah. Do you listen back to the episodes? <laughs> Um, occasionally, it's it's a it's a weird one. If it's a particular, but a particularly funny one where I know we were having we're having some right laughs. Yeah, I yeah. like to like back to it and you know. But most of the time, I don't think I I wouldn't listen back to the whole thing because usually we put it out a day after we record it. So listening back to it after literally what you said last night is strange. Yeah, I, I, find. Think, I think there'd be something quite kind of wrong with you if you were listening back to yourself, like. For an hour, like you just you spent yeah, that hour already doing that conversation. <clears throat> Sometimes I might randomly drop into some older episodes and listen to them for a little bit just to kind of remember stuff. Yeah, there's, you know... there's times where I think you've made me laugh and I've just had to go back just to hear something again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that's good. I'm gonna just scrub through and try and look at the moment when both yeah. our eyes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I go, Are they all right? Yeah, they're fine. They're having a laugh. Yeah, there's some definitely some funny moments that like I've gone back and listened to. And I'm like, I don't even remember that, but that's that's good. That's premium content right there. Premium you, podcast content. You made like a video where it was like a quick snapshot of our faces through each episode. Yeah, that was I, quite interesting. I, I did kind of. Oh, what did the thing? The yeah. one with all the. Yeah, there was a thing where. If you remember, once I did sort of like a video, a, a twenty-second 
snippet of like the highlights of the episode yeah and i was gonna do that for every episode but then i think i did it once and i found it quite taxing because it's like <laughs> yeah it's like generally trying to find some fun and i even thought about doing it like a a, a highlight of the hundred episodes like some funny bits or just some random bits yeah but i kind of gave up on the idea almost there's, immediately so maybe there's I'll too do much there's too much raw material to like sift through it would there's have to be so much faff. <laughs> there's a lot of faff. There's a lot of faff. There's yeah. a lot of guff. There's a lot of fluff. Yeah. There's that stuff. That's our but, style, um, though, isn't it? I mean, that's what we do. It's good because think about how much content, how much of us chatting waffle is now out there in podcast form and in and in video form on YouTube. Yeah. That you know, he- heaven forbid, heaven forbid, if something terrible was one of us. There's loads of stuff to do. I mean, if I miss you or you miss yeah. me after we passed on, hopefully not for decades now. But there's loads of stuff there where you can listen back to it and you can pretend you're having a horror hangout up in heaven. Imagine you were driving your car listening to this podcast and you crashed and you were upside down, bleeding out, waiting for <laughs> waiting for death. And your final things that you the final noises that you hear are me and you talking about absolute <laughs> nonsense. Are you are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. <coughs> me doing horrible Bristolian. Well, it's been fun. I've enjoyed yeah. it, Luke. I mean, me too. One of those things. You know, sometimes when you start something, you think, "Well, I don't think you always think about having an end." But I guess you don't. I didn't anticipate, you know. Oh, I wonder where we'll be in a hundred episodes because. Yeah. Now I think where we'll be in a hundred years, will we be still recording this podcast? I would think we'll so. Head. We'll be he- heads in jars. Yeah recording podcast content uh yeah we'll keep going we'll run out of horror films eventually someone's actually someone said that to me recently they said i said oh we're coming up to doing 100 episodes of and they were like hang on a minute 100 episodes how many horror films are there and i was like <laughs> a lot more than 100 <laughs> like there, there are dozens of horror films every yeah oh you'll run out soon you'll run out soon it's like well the thing is we do review the crap ones as well yeah so don't think we will ever. No, well, we won't. Right. We've got plenty of good ones left. Oh yeah, definitely loads of good ones. But then loads of like, there's. A, I think almost every day I look, I go, oh that, oh that film. Oh, we should do that on the podcast. We should do that on the podcast. Do it's always you horror. think your taste in horror movies has changed at all? Um, I think what I've had the chance to do is is watch and review films that perhaps I would have never ever watched. Like, I would have never gone out of my way to watch that film. Um, and I think that's a good thing, because there are some things that, you know, I'm happy that I've seen, I'm fans of. And so, yeah, I think my heart, my, my taste is probably... Yeah, I feel like more of a connoisseur, because I think before, yeah, I was a fan, but I would never have considered myself sort of like a, a, connoisseur, a connoisseur. I could I could a, discuss... A yeah, but now I feel like I'm a... Con- I still don't think like I'm an absolute expert, but I think yeah. I'm getting somewhere. I'm a bit more of a horror buff whereas now it's, it's sort of a it's a go-to genre for me it used to be horror and you know two or three other genres now it seems to be like horror will kind of take precedent over over almost anything yeah i think um it's been interesting to sort of get an idea of because before like, i had no idea uh, how it changed over the years over the years and like now i've sort of have a, a really good understanding, I think, of um, of how the sort of the genres changed over the years, and from like the 
the sixties to the eighties to to noughties and that kind of thing. Um, but and also there's like there's there's like films that I've seen now that even though I didn't particularly enjoy, if someone was like uh, if there was a, like a quiz on the internet and it said how, how many of these horror films have you seen, and it would include yeah. like ones that I would never have watched, and I'll, I'll put a little tick next to it and I'll go. Yeah, I feel quite good about myself. Happened at a Dr. Caligari. Never seen that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's handy to do. And you know, sometimes, sometimes you overhear people having a conversation, or you look at someone and you go, "Oh, I'm a huge horror fan," and I think they have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea the things I've seen for horror. Like someone recently came up to me and they said, "Um, so I, I, I've got like a." Uh, a shining patch that I wear on the back of like a denim jacket and I was yeah. at a gig and someone's kind of nudged me and kind of went um, oh you got a shining patch on your bag and I, on your back and I was like oh yeah 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 nice one just like one of those moments <laughs> and then she turned around and she had an evil dead patch on her back oh uh, that's cool yeah. but, oh, have you seen that and I just went oh I've seen that, I've seen that. <laughs> which and one got, are you talking about the one from the <laughs> did you get into like the <laughs> details of it I just went, yeah, I like that film. I rated it B plus on Horror Hangout um, <laughs> of iTunes and you and YouTube. She was like, yeah, oh. yeah. What's a podcast? What's a po- what's a podcast? <laughs> Do you think they'll ever change the name of what a podcast is? Considering like the thing, the thing that made it be called the podcast isn't really a thing anymore. Well, it is a thing, but you know, iTunes is going. But now they've called it podcasts. <laughs> Now it's specifically called it podcasts. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm confused by. No, you can't really change it now, can you? No, no, it's a podcast. I mean, in the future, like they might change. There'd be a new technology where you don't even hear the words; you just sort of sniff them up, and it's like, oh, that's an interesting conversation. Yes, or like the thing, and that'll get a new word. Or like the thing we discussed recently, where like a villain in a film just just absorbs the internet real quick, just types some things. <laughs> yeah. Now I know all the now I know the history of the world. But the thing is, when they sorry, I'm waffling now. When they suck up the internet as well, they're going to suffer. Someone dying in their car, listening to this moment. What are you going to say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. me. Someone's going. If you suck up all the in, in, all the information from the internet, like yeah. a, like a villain does in the film, you're going to suck up all the shit as well. You're going to suck yeah, up spam. all the nonsense of people, all the spam, all the all the conspiracy theories, memes, all the memes. All of the porno, everything. Like, well, it's nine so percent gonna... porno, isn't it? So you can't be healthy oh. for you. you. Can't be healthy. So you'd, be, you'd be a villain, but you'd be like, oh, so horny, and I love <laughs> feet and just BDSM, everything. Yeah, talking about BDSM. Today's film. That's a nice segue. Okay, so today's film, we're talking about Hellraiser. This was voted for by the people, and by the people, I mean by the Horror Hangout Facebook group and uh, followers on Twitter. Yeah, um, it wasn't. It wasn't definitive. The answer wasn't. The, the answer wasn't definitive, and because there was an outright winner on Twitter, I kind of took it upon myself to say, "Yeah, yeah, come on, let's do that." Well, also, uh, Laura's been trying to get us to watch Hellraiser for uh, for a long time. Yeah, and I think, to... and I think she's kind. She's kind of right. It's been something that we've mentioned as a, a, a glaring omission from the original fifty. It's something that we've always kind of wanted to do. Both of us. I think you're probably bigger of a bigger Clive Barker fan than me, but I've, I've kind of always appreciated his work. Um, so, yeah, it was a good one to, to think. Have you 
before we delve in, have we have you had any guffs this week? Not really. I mean, um, uh, I watched. <laughs> I've started watching the Neon, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Evangelion. Oh, yeah. Have you seen it? Did we, have we discussed this already? Maybe we know. have. I, Maybe. Maybe I that sounds a, right because I had a real moment of deja vu. Yeah. Don't tell me again, for fuck's sake. I'm joking. I'll tell you. I'll tell you when I'm finished with the series, and then I'll tell you if it's yeah. good enough. Okay. Then you have a. Then you have an actual opinion. Yeah. On it. Yeah. I did. I did have a couple. I did have a couple of bits of news which I decided to bring along. Number one is a Hellraiser TV series. Yes. 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 Which, uh, I don't know if you know much about this. You know much about this? This was fairly new. I knew they were going to be developing a new film, but I didn't know anything about a TV series. Yeah, I think I saw David S. Goyer is going to be running it. Yeah, yeah. So is it a producer of It, Roy Lee, a producer of Ready Player One, Dan Farah, joined forces to bring it to the small screen. Uh, So they've got the rights for it somehow. I don't know. Apparently, Maybe it's because it's a TV show instead of a film. Maybe that's the... Yeah, there have been some di- there have been some rights issues with it for quite a while, haven't there? Like yeah. someone's controlled the TV rights since someone sold it in 1989. So yeah, just the intention to use the mythology established in the movie franchise and the novella The Hellbound Heart, Hellbound Heart as a launchpad for a new series that could be an anthology or a more traditional narrative. But I mean, it could. I mean, it could work as both of those, really, couldn't it? I hope they do something completely original, uh, not like retread. The, the films and it's sort of yeah. something quite different. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. So yeah, I and mean, it looks like David S. Gore is writing a loyal, evolved reimagining of the original feature film. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess it's, it's more of the same. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Because David S. Gore is one of those where like he's obviously had some hits, but he's had some stinkers. Yeah. Like he obviously. We talk about his hits. We talk about his Batman Begins. We talk about Blade Two, but he's had some stinkers. He did Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice, but I think he's written a lot of crap as well, right? Just... Yeah, I think he's just one of the guys who's just uh, just writes tons and just puts it all out. Um, so I mean, hopefully we get him on a good day. Uh, I'm sure he does this oh, yeah. today. I hope take more than a day on it, but maybe he won't. Maybe he'll go. I'm going to bash his hand a day. Whatever comes out, that's the it. That's it. That's it. It's golden. I think he, uh, yeah, I'd be interested. I think the TV show is the better route. I think that'd be more interesting to do <coughs> like a six-episode season and find some fresh angle. Because oh, like, yeah. I don't think you could do the exact same. Because Hellraiser, the film, this film, number one, is really sort of melodramatic soap opera style storytelling, yeah, but but within sort of horror. Uh, so I, I guess they could do that in a sort of American Horror Story style way and have different mm. interconnecting soap opera elements with the the, the different Cenobites and, and because this I mean Hellraiser is amazing because it's it's not just the demon it's also it's got the serial killer aspect to it although in fact I've got it written here so uh, it's got sadist demon monks skinless zombie sexy men. Serial killer stepmom and like a, a big puzzle box Rubik's cube, premium Rubik's cube. It's got it all. Like a premium Rubik's cube. <laughs> they've got so much sort of going on what kind in of this. You, got? <laughs> you at? What kind of Rubik's cubes you got? Well, we got these ones. These are the lower level. <laughs> but got these ones which are kind of like for beginners. But you know, yeah. some people dabble. 
Premium Rubik's Cube, please. Premium. Premium. Yeah. I feel like I'm in all the various bits of it. That one. The Premium Rubik's Cube. Yeah. Uh, you see those ones like Sudokus as well. you got to like, sort of solve the Sudokus on each side as you... Or there's a numbered one or something. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I was, it looks pretty damn complicated. Yeah, apparently um, if you finish that one, you open the <laughs> gates of uh, heaven. Why not? Sure. You open the gates of heaven, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to do a synopsis? Yeah, man. On this? Yeah, pop one out. Do I have to? Synopsis. Yeah. So Hellraiser is a 1987 British horror film written and directed by Clive Barker, produced by Christopher Figg. Based on Barker's novella, <laughs> based on Barker's novella, the Hellbound Heart. The film marked Barker's directorial debut, and uh, he's only done a few things other than that, right? Films, at least. I know he did Nightbreed, but yeah, uh, and uh, whatever uh, everything. Is this part of synopsis? Okay. <laughs> the synopsis is an unfaithful wife encounters a ah, zombie okay. of a dead lover. The demonic Cenobites are pursuing him after he escaped their sadomasochistic underworld. Yeah. Sounds intense, right? So Clyde Barker did this when he was 34. Um, so that's like... Well, so he... Um, I think he published the books of Blood and Hellbound Heart. Hellbound? Hellbound Heart around the time... I think he was in his 30s, either late 20s or early 30s. But he looks like he was 17. He's just got an face, it's the face of an angel. And uh, and uh, he um, they made this at thirty four. There'd been a couple of films based on some uh, previous works of his. I can't remember what the first one was called, uh, but he he said that was that was such a dog shite. Um, and then the second one was based on Rawhead Rex, which the story in Books of Blood is fantastic. Oh yeah, uh, and Rawhead Rex. Gory and fun. The uh, book's just film's just mad, though, isn't it? Just like load of. Yeah, apparently I've not seen the film. Uh, there's a 4K restoration out now, and uh, apparently it's uh, just a great, great way of looking at something pretty shit. Uh, but it's um, but it, but anyway, Clive Barker saw these, and he was like, "These guys don't know what they're doing. I'm going to direct it myself." He got some money. Yeah. I think it was made for one million dollars. Um, it was a British production, but then halfway through, um. Roger Commons production company were like, this is looking pretty good. Let's we'll put this out, but it's too British. You need to make it American. So they had to uh, pretend it's in America, even though it's very English. Yeah. And also, there's loads, of, go on. there's loads of bits where it looks like it's in England. Yeah, it all looks like it's in England to me. Yeah, there's bits on like the docks and stuff. Was that like in England? It almost looked like that was Liverpool. Well, I thought it was Liverpool, mainly because Clyde Barker's from Liverpool, but apparently it's all in London. Uh, but There the... was some dubbing. Some dubbing was kind of... Some dubbing was like, you wouldn't be able to tell, really. Yeah. Some, but dubbing was, was, you would be able to tell, really. You can tell. <laughs> you can tell. I can tell. Yeah, well, that was to make it more American. Um, and if it worked or, or didn't, I, I don't know. I think it... But some kind of English isn't like the... Isn't the the wife, um, what's her name? Uh, Julia, yeah, Julia. English? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, for years, I just thought, oh, they're an American family who have moved to England. I just assumed yeah. that that was the whole thing. Because some guys are dubbed, like Frank is dubbed. Yeah. But the daughter isn't dubbed. 
Yeah. <laughs> and neither is Larry, right? I don't know. I don't know. It seems like Frank is dubbed. It says, like literally... it says here, so many of the English actors, including Sean Chapman, Oliver Parker, and others, were dubbed by American actors. So, so Sean, <laughs> Sean Chapman played Frank Cotton. So you can kind of tell he was he was dubbed. Uh, Larry, I don't think was dubbed. I think he was just an American yeah. guy. Um, uh, Oliver Parker, who did he play? A couple of the guys helping him move in were like, clearly, all right, mate, all right, governor. But they overdubbed them with, hey, mate, hey, governor. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, governor. Uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, hey there, sir. I mean, so this film, it's um, 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not as high as I was kind of assuming it would be. 7 out of 10 on IMDb. Not as high as I thought it would be. Roger Ebert, when it came out, gave it half a star out of four stars, which he normally goes for. Um, so like, it's not that like loved to most people, uh, but I've always held it really high. I think it's one of my first horror movies that really sort of scared me. It's, uh, I don't know. I just always had held it to high, <laughs> high esteem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's something about just the vibe this film gives off. It's always kind of creeped me out. Like it just feels wrong. Doesn't it? It just feels wrong. It just yeah. feels a bit dirty. Yeah. Filthy. Um, sexy, but you know, sexy but painful. Obviously, that's what they're going for. I remember seeing it like some of it, like because remember my dad had like the first, maybe the first three on video. Yeah, uh, and so I remember like you know seeing the covers of them and being like, ooh, ooh, what the hell's this? Yeah. Um, I freaked out. Like I can't remember when the first time I saw Hellraiser was, but I can't have been that old. I remember seeing it and being very much like, this is new. Like, this is new, sort of terrifying. Because I'd seen, I think, it was not It was nowhere near one of the first horror films I'd seen, but there was something about it that it, yeah. it really it really got under my skin and did make me feel just like a bit uneasy. And the fact I'd seen it, I carried it like a weight around with me. Like, oh, I've seen Hellraiser, and I, I feel horrible and all dirty if I have a shower. I know what you're talking about. I think that's why I like Clive Barker's films. They always feel kind of, uh, other stories in general, they always feel kind of wrong in some way. They always feel yeah. like you shouldn't really be reading them or like you shouldn't tell people you're reading that or watching that. Um, I know it sounds, it sounds, it probably sounds ridiculous, but as a man, as a man who's not of faith, like, me, yeah, um, when you kind of think in my head, when I think what a place like hell could really be like, it, I do kind of think of things like from Hellraiser and the visuals and the chains yeah. and stuff because I know a lot of it's like quite traditional stuff in mainstream culture and films and books and that we that we're accustomed to seeing. But there is just something different about Hellraiser where it's gone yeah. right. Yeah, that's horrible, but here's the next step of it. Like here's here's a sexual angle to it as well. So it's kind of like uh, R-rated horror version of Labyrinth. Like and instead of Pinhead, you've got David Bowie. Type Can you imagine a horror horror version of Labyrinth? Though it would be amazing. Was a was a. Is this your skin? <laughs> Wait. Is this skin? <laughs> David Bowie, give me your skin. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's a weird one. I mean, um, so like this film, I know I can understand why people might not like it. Um, I understand. That it's 
kind of weird and doesn't make sense at all all the time. And it's 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 melodramatic, and that's kind of like that's fine. But it that's like the worst thing about it, but also the best thing about it. This is those eccentricities that make you go, that's such a unique, strange film, and it's that's what makes it. So that's what I personally like. It. It's like seeing an eighties goth or something who's gone fully fully that way. To some people, they'd be like, oh, I don't I don't understand why. Why would you wear those clothes? But to to them and like to some people, it's like, oh yeah, that, that I I am like, this is exactly well, yeah, I am, I am the one. There's something very like claustrophobic about this film. I know it's because it like takes place mostly in one location. Yeah, it would. I mean, it would work well as a as a play, wouldn't it? Like a stage play when you think about it. Like, imagine has that yeah. has that happened? Well, uh, there's been an audio play. Uh, So there probably has been a stage play at some point, but the reason they chose this one to film first, Clive Barker, is because it was just a small production. (coughs) Um, Like one location that is is, going to be easier to film, a bit cheaper. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, um, how did you... How did you get on with it this time around? Yeah, You've seen it I before. Right? You've seen it many times, right? I've seen it, I've seen it before. I haven't seen it for. I haven't seen it for a while. I can't remember the last time when I, I saw it was, but it holds up. I, as far as I remember, I'm not too keen on the others. Like maybe I think I've only maybe I've seen the second and the third. Yeah. If, but as far as I remember, I'm not too keen on the others. But it's something about this one which is kind of just. I mean, it is creepy. It's creepy. The 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 gore is good. The creature effects are good. They're still. They don't look ridiculous. I mean, they are ridiculous, but they don't look ridiculous. You don't look at them and see it through yeah. the eyes of like. You know, sometimes when you see a music video from the eighties, this you know designed to look either a bit edgy, maybe a bit creepy, something like that. And you see it and you go, "What were they thinking?" Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. But this, for some reason, this still holds up. You've got like obviously the Cenobites who are all very unique looking and creepy in their own way. One of them is the nemesis from uh, Resident Evil. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no lips. Um, but yeah, I think the only t- this film suffers a little bit from maybe a lack of those Cenobites. I yeah. know you don't want to over you don't want to overcook it with how much you include them, but the fact they only really show up what two maybe three times, and each time they're not given a lot to do. They kind of all just stand in a circle and yeah, you know, say stuff. It would have been nice to see a bit more of them, but then I guess it's it's law to the book, isn't it? Although in, well, in the they're, book, even, they're even it, less it, in the in the book. They're like yeah in the. So start say. in the end, I think, pretty much. So, also, Pinhead's a woman in the book, right? I don't know if he was a woman. I think, um, I think maybe, Someone. I don't know. Uh, well, they're called the Order of the Gash, and I don't yeah, know if they ever right. mentioned this in the in the film. I don't think so. Well, uh, but I mean, uh, I think they just call him the, the Priest or something like that, Mister Priest. He's never called Pinhead. He only he only got the name That's... Pinhead from being on Nick- the set. He has a nickname for it on the set, yeah. But then they included it in later Hellraiser films, right? They called him Pinhead, yeah? Yeah, I think he just caught on and they're like, yeah, okay, he's Pinhead. Why not? All right, you bloody Pinhead. I am the priest of the Order of the Gash. Nah, you Pinhead, mate. Pinhead, Pinhead, Pinhead. Pinhead, Pinhead, Pinhead. Dunk him, dunk him, dunk him. Give him a wedgie. Yeah. Hanging clothes off his face. I would like to see Cenobites in... You know, Cenobites have to adjust to normal life. They get trapped on Earth or something. Cenobites yeah. got to get a job down Asda. Yeah. Mate, that'd be a great little sketch. 
Have you got you got to wear a uniform? Well, of course not. I wear this. This is the. This, I wear the Where's the uniform? Period. That's what his boss is. It's a football fan. Period's <laughs> a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> a wanker. Well, I do indulge in the masturbatory <laughs> occasionally, but you know, don't call me that. Uh, 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 <laughs> and they slap him. They slap him on the back of the head, but then they go, "Ah, <laughs> fucking hell!" They don't. They call him Pinhead for a reason. Yeah, and then they put like pencil erasers all over his face to stop him from like hitting anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Wrap his head in bubble wrap. Yeah. Uh, so, um, who we got in the cast? We got Andrew Robinson playing Larry Cotton, who's the dad of the family. So that's what I was going to say before you do this. They're not the pin, the Pinheads, the, the Pinhead family. They're not in this much at all. And I was like, it's it's not really about them, is it? It's it's more Frank Cotton's story about him trying to escape hell. Um, yeah. I don't know, like how, like it is his story, but at the same time, he's a bastard, isn't he? But it's not. Like, I think it's not like um, Kirsty's story. She's not even in like the film for like fifty percent of it. It's almost like she's putting it as a sort of final girl, you know, as a yeah. foil to, to to Frank. It was essentially like, even though he's got the Cenobite, the Cenobites are the antagonists, but yeah. also. They're kind of like. Also, Julie, this is why I think where the soap opera thing comes in because it's not so much like a single journey. It's like different characters, different situations, sort of culminating in a single. So imagine it's a six, a six part miniseries with yeah, all that happening. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like. Obviously, the Cenobites are the antagonists, but you're kind of like rooting for them to. Go on! Pin it! Pin it! Pinhead, yeah. fuck that, mate. Yeah. No, you're going to take that. You're going to take that. Yeah. He's making a bug of you. Yeah. I'd like to see Conor yeah. McGregor play Pinhead in the remake. You will take Con- Conor, Conor McGregor. McGregor. <laughs> Just walking in. Doing that walk. Doing yeah, that doing walk, that walk Flappy walking arm walk. The... Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. Who the oh, fuck the... is this guy? Yeah, it's knocking people out. Who the fuck is this guy? Okay, I, I can't do it. Yeah. I regret my decision of trying to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right now, no, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so who else we got? Claire Higgins is Julia Cotton. Julia uh, plays the wife of the of the Larry, and she's um, uh, kind of not an honest wife. She likes to sleep around, I guess, and um, she likes to hammer people. Yeah, she's got a very, a, a, quite a vast collection of, you know, various Hammers. trousers, uh, <laughs> earrings, probably got loads of hairspray. Her hair's always looking like a painting. Um, yeah. Yeah, hammer as well. I feel like uh, the hammer would be a perfect weapon against Pinhead. Just hammer all those nails in. <laughs> he's just a bloody egghead. <laughs> yeah. He needs, uh, he needs to brush his teeth, the old Pinhead. He needs what? He needs to brush his teeth. Every time I look at his teeth, I go, ooh, bloody hell, mate. Tartar. <laughs> Tartar, yeah. There's the... Uh, in the sequel, there's the dentist guy. Oh, he's a doctor. But he kind of looks like a dentist, and he has drill hands or something. Oh, is he a centibite, is he? Yeah, the... Uh, centibites are there. Well, there's these four, and then, like, they make a fifth one, 
in uh, the second film, and then there's loads of them in the third one. There's like a what DJ. Are they, what are their names? A DJ one? Yeah, I guess it's like a, like a vinyl record stuck in his head, and he uses them as weapons. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I don't even remember, but I want to see that now. Um, so what are we calling these Cenobites? So we've got Pinhead. Doug Bradley plays lead Cenobite. Uh, yeah. Cinnabon. Tasty. Cinnamon bite. Right. Cinnabite. Cinnabite sounds like a cereal. Cinnamon <laughs> <Ooh>. bites. <laughs> Cinnabites now with less sugar. Yeah. Um, there's a vagina neck one. Yeah. She plays oh. female Cinnabite. And they had a nickname, Deep Throat. Or that's what it, she was actually called. But they were like, nah, it's too... I just call it Deep Throat. So she had a vagina neck. Yeah. Uh, then, there's, then there's one who looks like... Um, it looks like someone. This one, the fat one with with like sunglasses on. Butterball is called, played by <laughs> played by Simon Bamford. Butterball is like the name of you know, like when you played like side scrolling beat 'em ups, like Streets yeah. of Rage. There's yeah. always a fat. There's always a fat character, and they call him Butterball or <laughs> Fat Bastard. Yeah. Well, uh, they um, uh, there's a there's a boxer called Butterbean who looks a lot oh, like yeah, this but- guy. <laughs> you're not, you're I mean, not Johnny Knoxville and the Jackass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the the other one who looks like uh, Nemesis is called. Uh, well, it's credited as Chattering Cenobite, but I think he's got a nickname in amongst the fans. Just called Chatterer or something. Like I'm that? gonna call. Him, right, I don't know. Do you want to call? I'll call him Nemesis from now on. All right. His new name. Nemesis. Nemesis. We need a, a more politically correct way to refer to Butterball. Uh, butter challenged. Butter. This is called him Butter Bean, but because we're we're not we're not talking about his uh, his weight. We're talking about um, how much he resembles that a bean. wonderful box. <laughs> a butter bean. All oh, right. No, I <laughs> thought you meant thought you meant the a, a butter Nemesis, bean. Yeah. Uh, plunge neck. <laughs> uh, again, what PC? Uh, yeah, feet, deep throat. No. Clunge snack, I don't think so. He's got like a <laughs> uh, sort of 80s pops, Annie Lennox sort of thing going on. Yeah, Shakespeare's sister. Annie, Annie Lennox, we can call her. Let's call her yeah. Annie Lennox. Cool. All right. And uh, Pinhead. Pinhead, just call it Pinhead, you yes, know, because otherwise. Works, yeah. Bloody works. Yeah, there's also another guy who plays the skinless Frank, uh, who's the Frank. Frank the Monster. Um, yeah, I kind of think this because at the whole time this Frank character was skinless or, you know, in his form where he was kind of getting his skin and muscle and stuff, he didn't look like the same guy. Like, even slightly. Well, he's without skin, isn't he? He looks different. I know. Still, so there's something different still, about you today. In terms <laughs> you and your hair different. <laughs> in terms of the bone structure, and they, could have got, they could have used the same actor because then it would have been a belie- more believable and said they got some guy who looked like bloody... Um, Jeff Goldblum in The Fly. Well, uh, so they uh, got the skinniest guy they could find. <laughs> What's that face then? <laughs> Help me, Julia. <laughs> yeah, well, they got the skinniest um, guy they could find to do it. Do we know anything about the creature effects? Uh, were they done by anybody who'd worked on something before? Because they're pretty good, you know. Uh, well, I don't think uh, they are pretty good. I don't think it was any. It wasn't a Rob Boutine or uh, um, what's that other guy? <laughs> There's only two of them. The other guy. It wasn't the other guy. Um, it was the other bloke, mate. It was. Um, 
I think it was a team of 12 people, which apparently is not a big team for uh, a movie like this and the amount of effects. I mean, there's like, uh, there's like road scoping with the electric flashes on the box and all the post effects and stuff. And there's also like uh, stop motion dragons and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's like the the gooey flies sort of stuff where there's a, the bodies coming back together. There's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of gooey stuff. There's a lot of stuff that's like the thing where things are kind of like. <laughs> things yeah. are kind of like moving, taking form, taking shape. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was. Those stuff, that stuff was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so who else? Uh, last, uh, I know we have mentioned. Yeah, we've got them all in. Um, yep, they're all there. Uh, so the story starts with Frank. Frank Cotton in Morocco buying a puzzle box from a dealer. And he's very yeah. sweaty. Yeah. He's always sweaty in this uh, film, that guy. He's always sweaty. And so obviously what we're made to find out about Frank Cotton is that he's kind of, he's at it with Earth's wonderful delights. Yeah. And he's looking for someone a bit different, you know. So he's done it all. Yeah. He's he, he's, at, he's had it up. He's had the trombone in. Has he um, tried Dulce de Leche, though? Making it yourself with the, with the that's milk. That's true. We should say to him, you've tried all the Earth's lovely delights. You've had other bum. All that stuff. <laughs> all that stuff. But have you tried Dulce de Leche? What? Have you tried have that you new tried Ben and Jerry's those? fish food? Ben and Jerry's fish food. P-H-I-S. To be fair, this is 1987. So maybe he didn't have access for such delicious ice cream. Because otherwise you would have been like He's 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 done it too soon. Hang about for another ten years and you'll have the internet. You'll have Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. Earth's wonderful delights. I had this moment. You ever had, you must have this moment <laughs> where you eat something and you yeah. literally just like you I don't know who you're praising. God of God on some level or something. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah, go, yeah. I'm so glad He's... I'm so glad I'm alive and I'm enjoying this moment of and this, this lovely, yeah. delicious profiterole I had. Really? Profiterole does it? That's what does it. Oh, this is bloody, this is perfect. That's I what keeps also... you from raising hell. It's usually, it's usually some, some sort of dessert. So I did have, I had recently, I also had some uh, creme brulee flavoured ice cream. Mate, creme brulee, that's a flavour. That is a flavour. Oh my god! Yeah, I was literally like someone was talking to me while I was eating it, and I was like, I was not listening. They yeah. were could talk, they'd been spilling their heart out to me, and I'd have been like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Frank Cotton, you don't need a puzzle box to somehow get yeah your kicks from demons tearing you apart. What you need is to get yourself on the old Dolce Lash or Grand Brulee well, flavored ice. Just to get my foods, I'm a more savoury sort of thing. I mean, it's either lasagna with like so much cheese baked onto the top that you put the <laughs> cheese in your mouth and you, it's difficult to chew because it's so sort of so much cheese. There's a flavour there that I think is heavenly. And also a great, great burger. Like burgers are yeah. fantastic anyway, but if you get like a special, it's, it's like £12, you spent £12 on a burger and it's good. Yeah. Something something amazing about that. Something heavenly. Oh, gosh. Yeah. There we go. I like it. Neither of us have talked about anything sexual or anything. <laughs> just food. We've gone. Yeah, just like fast food. Oh, that, that, that was yeah. that lovely bit of dinner. Uh, lovely bit of dinner I had. <laughs> that lovely bit of dinner. Yeah. Uh, yeah so Christmas Frank, dinner as well is good. Stuff out, the idiot. 
Yeah. He looks like the kind of guy who like eats bloody microwave meals and pot noodle and all that stuff. Yeah. That's why he's not getting it because he's just going, oh, I'll just eat this and then I'll get on with all the dirty, sexy stuff I'm doing. No, just take some more time, find some more nice things to eat and you won't have to worry about finding yeah find pleasure elsewhere. You'll be sorted. Relax. So, but he doesn't do that. So he takes his, his puzzle cube, puzzle box. Uh, it's like an analog Game Boy. And he's sort of playing it, <laughs> and he's in his little—he's in the attic, and he, he doesn't get any from the dealer either, does he? The dealer doesn't say this is how you use it. He just goes out this box. I'm sure he, yeah. he paid quite a lot. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, at least two hundred quid. And who, who knows what you're getting with two hundred quid? But he doesn't even like seem to. The box is weird because you sort of have to massage it more than solve it. <laughs> You sort of just have to rub your thumbs along it and tickle it in the right ways, and then it sort of and it engorges in some places, erupts in other places. So and it goes, okay, Frank, I'm oh. over. <laughs> it does, yeah. Uh, and then it, it, the sparks of light happen. The walls. This is one of my favorite things about Hellraiser. Is it doesn't matter where you are if you open the box, like you sort of bridge, you uncover a world that's sort of like hiding behind the walls. Um, and like the light sort of show, and then uh, the Cenobites uh, just there. All right, Frank. And all right, uh, Frank. It doesn't even tell you at this point. They just sort of say it just cuts, and then we see Frank in pieces on the floor. Uh, and then they they press the box, they zap, they reverse it all up, and then it's quite well done. I mean, say this is Clyde Barker's first film. I think the pacing of a lot of this is really well done. Uh, they they sap it all up with into the back into the box, and he goes back in. And then, like magic, Larry and Julia are moving in. They're unlocking the door into the new house. Obviously, there is a good bit where we see one of the Cenobites just like picking up pieces of Frank and kind of lasers face on the like a jigsaw floor. Yeah. 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 So that was that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, the the room's restored to normal essentially, and Frank's not there. And people are people are moving in. So his brother Larry is moving in with his wife Julia, and they've got like a bit of a difficult relationship, right? She's yeah. kind of like she seems like hard work, doesn't she? Old Julia, bless her. Yeah. Seems uh, like nothing's enough for her, all right? Nothing's enough for her. Um, and then we kind of get a flashback, which is so. Is this flashback caused by anything? Does she not see her? So it's kind of looking photos back. or something. Well, they, they see that Frank was been living in the uh, in the attic. Yeah, are we explained? Do we understand where Frank is supposed to be, or where they think he's supposed to be? Yeah. So Just... Larry says he he's been here. He's probably gone. He's probably arrested somewhere. He's always off trying the the lights yeah. of Earth. He's always looking for looking for earthly delights. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So there, obviously there's a kitchen full of maggots, rotten food, and all that crap. Uh, they find like a dirty, horrible little bed that he's been that he's been living in. You know what yeah. I mean? Again, again, if he had a really nice bed, yeah, some feather pillows, and just like a really nice place to kip. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, he, if you get the right bed, he, you lie down on it. That's heavenly. That's heavenly. Yeah. Don't worry, don't don't need you don't need these centibites. You need a good bed and a massage, a maybe. Yeah, maybe a massage. Nice cup of tea and a cheese sandwich. Or hang out podcast in your ears. Yeah. Just lie back and enjoy. But yeah, he's mugged himself off there. 
so yeah, then obviously Julia has a flashback to when she had an affair with Frank. Yeah. He turned up he turned up at her gaff, soaking wet, and it was like He's always wet. He's sweaty, he's rainy, he's always sopping yeah. wet. That's Never what they dry. say about Frank. Classic Frank. Classic Frank. Yeah. So <laughs> he like comes in and he like seduces her. Is it supposed to be like after the wedding, before the wedding? This is shortly after their wedding. They've been married. So where's Larry at the moment then? Well, oh no! So the, the, when they had sex was maybe in their old house or somewhere else. I don't know. Five years prior. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. But yeah. I was saying, where's where Larry at the time? Is uh, I don't know. Something else. I think he might be on the phone with uh, Kirsty or something. Kirsty, and um, he's like, "We're having a dinner party. You should you should come and move in." And she's like, "I don't want to move in because Julia's there. I don't like Julia." Oh yeah. Doesn't say it out well, in the I... open, but we get that impression. I meant where was Larry when Frank was doing not, it with not sure off. Uh well it could be anyway. At work. At the office. They have sex on the wedding dress, don't they? Yeah. Maybe Which I think happened as well. On the the morning of the wedding? I don't know. Yeah, Jesus. Wept. Oh, oh you look wonderful <laughs> wedding dress, but there's a big thing. No no no, no. <laughs> the sweaty Frank, There's a big sweat look, on yeah. the back. Well, you know, I was sat on it. I know yeah. someone who sweats. <laughs> <laughs> ah, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did, did Frank go to the wedding as well? That's what I want to know. No, I think he got, got his... But it's weird because it wasn't just a one time, was it? Because he did it that time. And then they obviously were doing it more. And then eventually Frank was like, I'm out of here, sister. I've got other earthly uh, delights to find. Yeah. And knock you off. He ticked it off. He... Shag's <laughs> wife, Tick. Yeah. That's, that was top of the list. So, uh, yes. There's a, there's really, I really like the way this is sort of, I think Clive Buck did a great job here because he's sort of building up the drama where she's re-thinking about the sex and they're getting closer and closer to the climax and yeah. then the music's getting swelling up and at the same time, while she's getting nailed, this is amazing Clive Buck <laughs> figured this out. <laughs> she's getting nailed and metaphorically she's getting nailed and uh, Larry's hand is about to also get nailed. And it's the most horrific. It's building to this, as she, oh, I'm being nailed. And then Frank <laughs> cuts yeah. his hand. This, he goes, oh, I'm being nailed. Was, yeah. It's one moment where I was a bit like, oh, oh, I don't, do I want to see this? Do I want to see this? It was taking yeah. ages. And there's a horrible great big nail hanging out of the banister. How did they do this? Because I understand, like, maybe they put some blood on the nail before and it sort of wipes on his hand but yeah it looks really good i mean i couldn't see the blood there before and there's quite a lot of it that came off well, i don't know whether it's a makeup effect or what but yeah it looked yeah. pretty good looked pretty horrible yeah. and he, he overreacts doesn't he i mean it looked horrible but he overreacts Yay, day! <laughs> he hates blood apparently so he's like oh, fucking julia so he goes upstairs into the attic obviously where frank vanished yeah um and Bleeding everywhere. He's I'd be the same. I blood. hate. I hate blood. It makes me just really faint. Yeah, well, he's making it. He's making it worse for himself. I mean, he's bleeding a lot. Obviously, Julia. Julia helps him. They leave the attic, but then the blood sort of like soaks into the floorboards. Well, you hear this like a. Uh... <sighs> There's a floor <laughs> sort of thing. Sort of yeah. And it basically brings Frank back from. I want to say back from the dead, but is it bringing him just back from hell or back from whatever dimension he's in? 
yeah, I think the idea is it's bringing him back from hell, or back from death, or uh, from the other side. Uh, but yeah, this bit has always stayed with me. It's, freak- it's still freaky to see. Um, his heart starts pumping, yeah. and then it makes a spine. You get these two nobular bits that that slot into the brain stem. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the brain bit was was good. Nobular bits. Yeah, and he's like still- the yeah, they're good. Yeah, they look like little ticklers. And then like the arms, the bone arm bones like shoot out of the ground, and it's just it's just it's a really well put together, gruesome. And the music, I've got to say, I've got, I haven't mentioned the music so far. The music's kind yeah. of great. So it's Christopher Young, isn't it? I reckon I recognise him. Yeah, like I think he's pretty big in the he's pretty pretty big in the game at the moment. I've definitely heard a few of his soundtracks if I remember right. If I recognise the name, that makes me sound completely idiotic, not knowing any of them. But yeah. um, yeah. The, Soundtrack's ace, like it was really. It's, it's like epic, but it's got that sort of. It's almost got like a Tim Burton vibe, but like a like a more more gothic sort of. Yeah, it's very gothic. It's almost there's a bit of a. It's it's very it's very obviously it's very orchestral, but it was a bit some something very hopeless about it. Well, oh bloody hell, yeah. boy, I'm back from the dead. It reminds me of the music from Ghostbusters when it reveals Zool and. It's- yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Yeah, that's 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 proper epic. I mean, epic and horrific at the horrific. same time. Horrific, <laughs> yeah, horrific. Uh, so yeah, so Julia like <laughs> discovers Frank pretty quickly, doesn't she? He's kind of like half. Really? Walks in, is this season? I don't know about she finds him now. Uh, yeah. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. He was like, I was just thinking about you. And like, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what happens. I think she maybe hears something and goes yeah. in. He's sort of there all, all juicy and fudged up. Classic Frank. That, that, initially, she's like, who the hell are you? And, and when she says, I'm Frank, she's a bit like, oh, oh bloody hell. What happens? And he doesn't, he doesn't like explain what's going down initially, does yeah. he? Not like I've been 
I've been here doing yeah. this and that. Kind of just like, look at the stare to me. <laughs> yeah, he says, I need blood. I think, uh, will you get me blood? He's like, nah, I've got a cream. I can get some paper tissues. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's helping. There's nothing you can really do to him. If you see him in that state, you're like, oh, you've done it, mate. You, there's not, no coming back from that. He's like, there is coming back from that. From this. There is coming back. Yeah. I'm going to have a roll around in some sand. It's going to get everywhere. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so she's still like, so even though he's in that state, she's still obviously pretty into him. Yeah. And he obviously says, I need to harvest blood for me and then I can like be fully restored. Uh, and then we can run away together. We can be together. And she's, she's like, yeah, all right. Can't she just donate some blood? Like, I mean, like, so hook up a thing, get a couple of biscuits and a cup of tea, and then you sort of, don't mean, donate blood, and then he could have it yeah. right into his mouth. Maybe, just... it depends on how much, how much he's drinking, because obviously... Yeah, but you regenerate the... it, you? he has a go, she's like, I need to go have a uh, lasagna, I'll be back in a You minute. regenerate it, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you do, but like, yeah, this... You're saying it's a plot hole. You're saying oh, she just... it means he just needs to take lives, like he needs to absorb yeah, yeah. like the life force or whatever. And obviously, we're pretty, we're we're made to understand quite a lot about Julia at this stage that she's willing to do that, based on pretty much nothing, based on a whim and a prayer from this dude. Which I guess going... really throughout the story, she gets more and more into the actual killing side of it. Isn't she? I think she's really... almost like role play for her, isn't it? Like, yeah. You know, maybe that maybe that's sexy. Maybe the sexy sadomasochism thing comes into it a bit more is that she's almost, she can do it so easily because, you know, it's a bit of, it's her it's kink. A bit of dirty it's, role it's her kink, yeah, to, to do the wrong I mean, thing. I mean, there's a classic yeah. one, there. Nurse, uh, schoolgirl of age. School, <laughs> schoolgirl. Uh, and then there's dirty... <laughs> woman at bar picks you up takes you up to an horrible act to have sex on the floor yeah that's the third one third one <laughs> um yeah so she obviously starts picking up men uh just lonely blokes in in what she's she like a hotel bar or something yeah she just goes <clears throat> her voice is breaking she goes out and she picks up <laughs> men yeah and then she's like I'm going to put like... you down because you're too heavy and then she picks up a lighter one she goes come on Grab your Come coat, you pulled. So she pretty much just take men back to her house, <laughs> takes them into the attic, and they're like, Where, what, this ain't the bedroom? And she goes, oh, yeah, I prefer to do it on the floor. And you look down at the floor, and it's just like... Um, just yeah, like, I prefer to do it in the bedroom, thanks. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I was like, I yeah, I prefer to do it in the bedroom, thanks. Yeah. I don't mind doing... I like doing it on the floor. And I'd be like, oh, what? <laughs> You'd have splinters all in your Aris. Yeah. And your Toyota um, Yaris. So yeah, she she like, oh, I first of all, I wasn't sure why does she have to kill him? Why can't she just lure him in and then go, Frank, do your business? I think he's too weak at first because he he gets a bit stronger as time goes on. But he's a he's a frail, uh, husk of a man, and uh, she like it doesn't take just one hammer. Like it takes a good couple of whacks before the guy drops. I mean, you'd be well annoyed if someone's hammered you in the head, wouldn't you? You'd be like, what the fuck you doing? Um, yeah, I wouldn't like it. So she murders them. Frank like consumes their blood, um, yeah. and his blood starts regenerating. But then Julia's like getting rid of the bodies as well, isn't she? Like she carries one of them at one point. Carries one of them like they're just a little 
chihuahua because she just picks them up and t- what, what did she do with the bodies? I don't know, but there's one at the end of the film. Like there's one in the cupboard, like a yeah. classic. Uh, don't put you, body in the cupboard. You can't just put bodies in the cupboard, though. I mean, they're going to they're going to stink. Yeah. Well, Julia's like, weird. She seems like the kind of woman though who's like not really uh, ever had the need for anything in her life, and she's kind of with her people around her going, yeah. "Oh, clip. I'll do your washing up. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll chuck some laundry on for you." Now she's like, "I've got a dead body. What should I do? What should I even do with this? Just." Sling it out the back door. Some of the sort of the council, the yeah. council. Call the, can- well, the council. Say if you got any, you know, big objects, give them a call. They'll sort it out. <laughs> like, exactly. I mean, you pay. You pay like fifty pound extra, but yeah, it's fine. I've got three dead bodies here. Which uh, <laughs> bin does the uh, brown brown bin? Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Where does the body? Where does the dead body go? It goes in brown bin. Oh, actually, it's been it's been fucked with blood, so it goes in the blue bin. Yeah. It's been there tomorrow and all, so they'll be all right. It was been there the next day, so the smell was gone. Should they purposely make it so that they do it just before bin day as well. Yeah, yeah. They plan, they got planned <laughs> like this. Clever, clever. Um, yeah, so after his body starts regenerating and he becomes more meaty. Yeah. Meaty, and he's, he's sopping wet constantly, isn't he? Classic Frank. Classic Frank, <laughs> sopping wet. Um, he kind of he explains to Julia like what happened. He said he's exhausted all century experiences. What a lie. And she's like, what, have you tried Dolph Celeste? <laughs> she listened, have, have you, you tried, tried Dolph Celeste? Have you heard the new Ed Sheeran album? <laughs> Multicast, <black>, quality. <laughs> um, so he, he sought out this puzzle box, promised it would be a portal to a realm yeah. of carnal pleasures. It almost said anal. anal when sold... As well. yeah. The Cenobites came to him to do the extreme. I'll be like, why are you complaining then, right? Fair enough. You you might have been mugged off and you've ended up in hell or wherever. Yeah. But you sort this out, so deal with it, right? The, These the thing, poor, innocent blood. The, the thing about... Uh, so, he in, in the film, it, it seems to be more about, like, they take you to extreme pain so that the pleasures are oh so much sweeter. That's kind of the gist. But in the book, it, it seems more like... The Cenobites are from some other sort of such a distant, removed <laughs> place from our own thinking that to them, uh, pain is a form of pleasure. Like mutilation is a form of of uh, pleasure, and they they kind of feel like some they're giving Frank what he wants. Right? Say again. For some people, it is, you know. Yeah, we, we, some yeah. Like to get trod on by women in really horrible stilettos. On purpose. On on, on the balls. <laughs> Like, can you imagine anything worse? Just imagine that particular moment, right? That that's horrific, and somebody out there likes it. Um, yeah, you're saying you're saying Cenobites are so far removed, but human beings are messed up. Yeah, people like getting that's stood a on. Film. That's trod bell raising. People like their people like to put things in their knob. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, what? So she starts killing loads of people. Frank is getting meteor and meteor. Um, Kirsty sees uh, Julia taking a guy into the house. Yeah, follows him. He's like going. She's going round to like what to hang out with Julia or just chat to her and maybe yeah, try and, yeah, to sort of yeah, make, make friends. Yeah, make friends, but she. Uh, okay, so you were saying. Remember when you were saying that thing about how Kirsty was going up into the attic and she accidentally uncovered a dead body. 
Yeah, so Kirsty follows Julie into the house, who's obviously bringing a man back, and sort of like stumbles in halfway for a murder, pretty much. Yeah. A juicy body comes out. Frank is all, he's a bit less, he's a bit more still, meaty. Still gooey, but there's more. Still gooey. More muscles on the bone. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he attacks her with a classic line, come to daddy. Yeah. You know, I kind of think, oh, Frank, like, so not only are you a horrible, dirty adulterer and, you know, seeking the earthly pleasures, you're also a bit rapey and. His dirty oh, uncle. His dirty uncle, Frank. Dirty, horrible uncle. Yeah. So, yeah, Kirsty throws the puzzle box out the window and escapes. Pretty much escapes, but then she collapses not long after. Yeah, okay, so she collapses, uh, but she she steals the puzzle box. She's um, got the puzzle box. She's got the puzzle now, box. Yeah. Stumble, and if she wakes up in a hospital, there's a really weird doctor. It's like, well, you ain't going anywhere, Missy. You were like, yeah. she says, I need to call my dad. Uh, it's really important. And he's like, no, first things first, get in bed. Well, I was so confused by this doctor that I thought he was like a dream. He was like a dream sequence because yeah. he was being so weird. Um, so, yeah, but then she, the puzzle box is still there. I think he's bored. Yes, because they, they lock her in. She's like, she's there for hours. So she's like, what else am I going to do? I've got no TV. No TV. I've got, I've got nothing to read. All I've got is these four walls. I might as well just solve the puzzle box. Might as well do it. She she does it, and we get a few sparks. She's she's done it within seconds. Like she's really good at it. Uh, she's like, yeah. a, she's, this is in the background information, but she is. This is in the book. She's a Rubik's cube champion, so she can do it in like seconds. Whip what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. With one yeah. Hand. With one hand. And so burned her back. And not even her own hand. Someone else's hand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. So she does it. <clears throat> and then um, she opens up a door in the wall that wasn't there before. This Again, this is a cool little moment that really terrified me as a kid, but uh, and it's and silly talking, now. Talking of, talking of labyrinth, this is a very labyrinth moment where yeah. narrow sort of corridors and something chasing her. Like a little know, goblin scorpion thing. Yeah. Yeah. So this was again some pretty good monster effects, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's all right. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely got the plastic uh, look to it now, but it still holds up quite well. It's like a weird scorpion thing that sort of crawls across the walls. Like a weird and... tail and some face and arms. It's, I mean, it's pretty creepy. Yeah. yeah. So she runs from that, escapes, and then the Cenobites turn up and basically, you know, surround her. Start telling her that doesn't doesn't Pinhead say something along the lines of we've been perceived as both angels and demons, but we're just explorers, yeah. just explorers, yeah, explorers. You know, I mean, we we cut all the sex crimes we've been doing. We're just explorers, is it? Yeah, it'd be good if they all they sounded like the Beatles. Hello, hello, Kirsty. <laughs> hello, Kirsty. Will I'm Ringo. I'm Ringo. This is John. Is it? This is John. <laughs> Chattering teeth. George. There's Paul over there with his vagina neck. From the vagina neck. Hey, Kirsty. There's an old sketch of that as well. We've just. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do the Cenobites. <laughs> Someone solved the puzzle box and the Beatles turn up. Hello, Kirsty. <laughs> 
so Kirsty. We've come to tear your soul apart. You sound like uh, I was you sound like oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, was, I was trying to think of the uh, you know the vultures in um uh the jungle book. Yeah. The little haircut. Yeah. That's weird. That's weird. I mean, this was of its time. Yeah. Um but yeah, so they sort of say to Kirsty that they're basically gonna there are you you belong to us now pretty much. But she's she basically tells she grasses Frank up, says like Frank escaped from you, he's all he's in our attic, he's all wet and mangled, and I can lead you to him basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, she's like, he's like, all right, okay, fine. Uh, doing deals, uh, and then there's a good line here when he says, "No tears." Um, but I don't like to see people cry. <laughs> what does he say? No tears. It's a waste of good it's suffering. A waste yeah. of good suffering. Yeah. Teeth are mangled, and I think. Yeah. Brush your teeth, mate. Brush your teeth, mate. Yeah. I, I, I wish Kirsty was like, uh, was like a, a English school child. She's like. Oh, you dropped your gay card, mate. <laughs> Just like, say stuff like that. And then Pinhead looks down and she goes, ah, you looked. <laughs> and then she runs away. He looked. And you got something on the back of your shoe as well. Whoop. <laughs> Hello, sailor. <laughs> yeah. Classic. Classic. Classic banter. So she runs away uh, to the house. Also, Larry's just returned to the house. We don't get to see what happens to Larry, but it can't be that good for him. Because the next time we see him... So a, scene, a scene we did kind of miss was a moment where Frank is like trying to kill Larry while Larry is trying to have sex with Julia. Oh, and yeah. he's, kind of, yeah. he's kind of creeping up behind him and Julia's obviously like, no, no, no! Obviously saying no to Frank. Yeah. Didn't want Frank to kill him, but Larry takes it as she's basically mugging Rid- him off. Yeah. Cop-locking him. And he goes, well, I don't understand you anymore. I don't understand you. Yeah. I don't think Larry deserved to get flayed alive. I don't think he got flayed alive, but... Oh, no. So, so so Larry gets killed off screen, right? Yeah, because the next time we see Larry, he's not Larry, he's Frank wearing Larry's skin. No. Which I don't think so it Frank works. killed Larry, stole the skin. Yeah. Um, and then Julia shows Kirsty like, the flayed corpse, didn't she, basically? It says that's Frank. It's Frank. Frank is dead. That's there he Frank. is, he's steaming. Automatically, I think... Right, I my dad would he has he got it in him to not just kill someone but to flay their corpse because <laughs> when you kill someone you think but she's already seen yeah. Frank as a flayed corpse man so yeah, exactly. I suppose it looks kind of like like him um, but while she's in there the Cenobites turn up and they're like hello we uh we you said you'd be here this time yeah we, we were supposed to be here we met you sorry but um, yeah they man to know like who did it. Essentially, Chatter's got a casserole. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I brought some housewarming gift. Yeah, some volavons. <laughs> some volavons. Some volavons. Chattering, chattering Cenobite made them, but he can't eat them without making a mess. Not in my house, not with the new carpets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, what happens here? Okay, so uh, Kirsty runs away, but uh, Julia grabs her, goes no, and they start wrestling. And then Frank, as Larry, uh, yeah, Larry. goes to stab Kirsty with his flick knife, but stabs Kirsty uh, Julia instead. And then he sucks her f- flesh out, he absorbs her, she sort of melts into his fingers. 
It almost seems like he wanted to do it though. Like he stabs her, but he's yeah. not like what. He kind of just goes. Oh, well, he says like no hard feelings, and by that, I think he means because okay. she turns off squidgy. No hard feelings, squidgy, squidgy. No hard feelings because you're proper soft. <laughs> um, uh... And then Frank. So Frank, Larry, or Larry Frank chases Kirsty to the attic. Um, but basically, the Cenobites want him to confess. I don't think he does confess, though. I don't think he does confess, no. Maybe he does um, confess that he is Frank. Because I think he says something like, it's me, Frank. And then like, Cenobite's like, oh, it is Frank. It is Frank, yeah. Now you've done it. So basically, they chain, they chain the, the living shit out of him. He gets pulled apart by these chains. His face is all coming off. Very, very gory. And then he basically gets pulled so hard by the chains that he explodes. He gets pulled off and he explodes. The final pleasure. Yeah. And then and we it, get an encouragement. He gets Sorry, the, the Jesus wept line as well, where he says, Jesus oh, yeah. wept. Jesus wept! <laughs> and lips get pulled up his face. Yeah. And then, and then Julia obviously gets the... Julia? Sorry. Kirsty gets the puzzle box from Julia's hands and pretty much and banishes the Cenobites pretty easily by solving the well, box. Well, like I said, she's a Rubik's Cube championi. Exactly. But how would you know that just closing various bits on the box... Uh, just gets rid of, so she gets rid of them one by one, basically. And she even like <laughs> knows how to open the box in a certain way that opens that door to the scorpion one. Yeah, she knows how to close it anyway. You know, like she knows the box too well now. She's it's yeah, it's a bit ludicrous. But the escape one, th- Go on. one thing we didn't mention is that there's like a vagrant dude or like a homeless dude. Yeah, Kirsty sees several times throughout the film. She sees him in a shop. Uh, she sees him working. Work. Oh, she sees you. him eating, yeah. eating, eating cr- locusts or something like in, in the pet shops he works in. Yeah. Obviously, we understand that this is something to do with the stuff as well. And at the end, when she escapes the house, her boyfriend turns up. They go out to some wilderness and throw the box on a pyre. They throw the fox on a fire, sorry. Um, but I think everything thinking the box is metal, it's just going to go really hot, isn't it? I don't know. Who knows what it's... it's maybe it's... Melt into I don't know. And that yeah. vagrant flash homeless dude turns up. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's the guy who made the box. There's a there's someone called Le Marchand. Le, I don't know how it's pronounced. Le Marchand? Le Marchand? Um, Le Marchand. Le Marchand. He, I don't know if he's the guy who made the box, who is the same guy who sold it in, in the first place. Yeah. It's possibly some sort of shape shifting winged beast. I don't know if oh, we yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, did we see any more of that in in the other films. I don't think so. Well, I've already seen the first three, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't think so. It's just like a dragon, skeleton dragon. Yeah, it turns to some weird sort of like bony dragon and flies off into the night. Yeah, you get a nice final shot of of the box in the hands of the same merchant who's selling it to someone else now. Yeah, who may be sweaty, may not be sweaty. You only sell to sweaty people. So um, that's the end of the film. I've got, I've got some trivia. It's a little bit different. Uh, so all the answers in this trivia round end with El Razor. Okay. So for example, a question could be, man finds puzzle box to hell. The answer is Hell Razor. Okay. So number okay. one, little boy who lives in the closet comes out. He's a wizard and he goes to wizard school. The answer would be, Spell razor. <laughs> Spell razor. Okay, I've got you. Okay, okay. Number two. Japanese girl falls down a well and haunts people from a videotape. 
This might be too hard. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Samara Ring. Uh, what did she come out well of? Well Razor. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Documentary about Arnold Schwarzenegger while he trains by lifting weights. Um, oh, Jesus. You asked me this earlier as well, didn't you? <laughs> I need to make sure you've seen it. Or oh, close. Barbell Razor. <laughs> oh, Swell Razor. That would never be a good one. Yeah. Uh, okay. Number four. Sam Rockwell is a clone of a clone of a clone and he's on the moon. Uh, well, that's a hard one. That is Rockwell He's a Razor. <laughs> Rockwell Razor. Because you say the answer in the question, it's confusing me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I haven't thought about that that much. Uh, so number five, Jack Nicholson, caretaker of the Overlook Hotel, tries to kill his family. Uh, <laughs> give me a clue. Uh, Jack Nicholson, caretaker of the Overlook Hotel, tries to kill his family. Oh, Jesus, what can I think? Jack. God, tell me. Hotel Razor. Oh, I was trying to think of Jack, Jack's ah, name. I've got a bonus Jack one. I've got oh, a bonus, one. bonus episode, a bonus question. A perfumer in the 18th century who is trying to capture the elusive aroma by aroma by killing women. Smell razor. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody quality. Yeah. Also, some, some actual trivia to finish off because um, that wasn't really that was just nonsense. Uh, that was what was great. the name of the uh, Clive Barker's original novella that the film was based on? The Hellbound Heart. Yes. And how many hours did it take to make up? Doug Bradley uh, to be pinhead. 12. Close. Uh, if you did it over two days, yeah, you're correct. It was six hours per day. All oh, right. So, that's what it meant. Also, last one. <laughs> what is the name of the configuration of the box that opens up the doorway to hell? It's got a very special name. The name of the configuration? Yeah. Uh, has it got the word gash in it? No, the mash gap, the gash mash, um, the twi- the t- the twizzly twizzler, the the mad the mad box. I don't know. Uh, the lament configuration. That's what they call it when the. Uh, uh, I don't really go into it too much in the first one, or maybe even the second one. No, they did. They definitely talk about it in the second one. Yeah. Right. So, uh, to <coughs> review the film, I know what your review is going to be because I follow you on letterbox.com. And oh yeah, Jesus! I saw your thing. Do you I should stop doing. I should stop review. I should stop doing that, shouldn't I? Um, it's a team. Before we before we talk, I, I didn't put a review on there. I just put my star rating. Yeah. Um, I need, to, I need to sort of correspond what my star ratings and my horror hangout A to F ratings are going to be because I don't yeah. think they're exclusive. But yeah, I think this film holds up really well. Um, it's creepy. It's it's not aged that badly in 1987 it's still a great story great special effect um and it's kind of, has kind of made me want to go and watch some of the others even though no, they're not as good so i'll give this film a b plus a a b plus like a a plus okay yeah that's right. that's good i thought you're gonna go a little bit lower than that uh wait i i would 
kind of genuine to think of another horror film that is like this. Like, that is such a sort of mashup of stuff and has sort of scenes of really grisly horror bits that like tense bits where people are getting nailed metaphorically. I'll tell you and... what, a little bit, sorry, sorry to interrupt your, yeah. your, um, your point of review. It reminded me a little bit of, uh, obviously it came afterwards, but Event Horizon. Yeah, well, I think they definitely they took from this. They did like Hellraiser in space, that isn't it? Um, yeah. But I don't think there's any any. I think this film kind of came out of nowhere. <coughs> Clive Barker's sort of sadomasochistic horror came out of nowhere. Um, I think it's like even like today, I don't think films quite do what he was doing. Uh, the sort of it feels very thespian, very sort of like I want to say Shakespearean, but it feels like uh, it's not. It's not. It's not anything like real life, but that's fine because it's a sort of it's a big over. I think the the best way to describe it is a soap opera, and I really like it for that. Uh, I'm going to give it an A minus, just because it it's it's great. It's it should be up there. It should be in the top fifty horror movies of all time. I think it should definitely be in the top fifty horror films of all time. Yeah, and it could take the place of a lot of films that we that we saw on various lists. Um, yeah. But is is it in the? So obviously we've been dabbling with the IGN top one hundred. I don't it think it is. No, so it's not even in the top one hundred. It's it's. I think people. I think maybe they got, it got to the point with Clive Barker stuff, and it uh, people just got a bit, a bit tired of it, or a bit uh, like it was oversaturated. And I think this yeah. film kind of dropped off for a long time. But if you hold this up against any of the best horror movies from the eighties, I think it holds up. Like it's one of those. Well. Films, I think. When it has more sequels, it kind of affects the legacy of like the original. Yeah. So, for example, a film like say Saul, where I think if Saul was a, a, simp- a film on its own and we didn't get any more sequels and it and it was that, it would be held up in a much higher regard than perhaps it is now. And the whole franchise is kind of thought of as uh, same with things like Paranormal Activity, which I don't think is yeah. is is great. But at the same time, I think the more sequels there have been. The more it like dilutes the power of the original. Dilute, one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People go, oh, paranormal activity. Oh my god. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a bit like one of those. Whereas if it was just that we only got one film and that was ever it, it was like, wow, that film was great. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> yeah, um, it's annoying. I mean, the sequel is. People say, oh, watch the first two; they're the best ones. But I don't. I don't think the sequel even holds up much against this one. Um, you'll see what I mean when you watch it. It's uh. It's it's got a lot of great horror moments in it, but it's just not got the same melodrama that that this one has. It loses some of it. The human drama. What I would say, if people like uh, Hellraiser or Hellbound Heart and want more similar, I mean, Books of Blood, those those short stories by Clive Barker are are <laughs> amazing, and they very much fit into what what this film is. But also, there's a novel called The Damnation Game, which um, is I mean, thematically, super similar, and like you could read that and get some big Hellraiser vibes from that as well. Is uh, there any, any crossover with like the Cenobites into any more of Clive Barker's work? Because they do seem pretty. Yeah. So um, there's so he has a character called Harry Demore, who's a sort of uh, private eye investigator who pops up in a lot of his stories, um, and they did a thing. Where it was basically Harry Demol versus Pinhead, um, and it's sort of the big end of Pinhead. Uh, but whenever Pinhead shows up in Clive Barker's stories, um, he's never quite 
what this character is. Is there's it's like I don't know. It seems to be more to him, I guess. Um, but I don't know. I think yeah, Damnation Game and Books of Blood. If you want more of the horror Clive Barker stuff, if you want more of the sort of fantasy world building stuff, there's the Great and Secret Show, um, and in Magica, which I've not read, but apparently that's great. Nice. Yeah. <coughs> I've got some questions for you based on the 100 episodes we've recorded. Okay, go for it. Uh, uh, I've sounded pretty downbeat then, but you know, I've, I've just got, got sniffled. Thirty questions. So, yeah. Can you? Can you tell me in minutes what was the shortest episode of Horror Hangout? I'm going to say 42 minutes and 12 seconds. Well, I've only got it in minutes, so don't go mugging me off with seconds here. 42 minutes. Uh, it's 41 minutes. Ah, okay, yeah. Wow. And can you can you hazard a guess as to what film we reviewed? It would have been one that we probably weren't too keen on. It would have been early on. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it was episode three. Yeah, which was Evil Dead. Okay. So we were just we're finding our feet in terms of the structure of the of the, of the horror hangout. I think. Yeah, yeah. So you know, minutes probably smashed through it. You know, come on, let's do a podcast. Um, okay. In, in minutes, can you tell me what the longest episode of Horror Hangout has been so far? It would have been with Andy. Yeah. <laughs> and it would have been. <laughs> Um, I would probably say like hour and forty-three minutes. Yes, hour and forty-eight. Okay, yeah, and that would have been. Um, and it was was one with Andy. We did a super long one fairly recently. That would have been towards the tail end of the show. I'd say like episode ninety-three. Ninety-three. Has you guessed what film it was? I mean, it's not ninety-three, but okay, okay. I thought I'd try it. Um. 94. <laughs> 94. Um, uh, what was it? Um, it would have been a fi- it would have been a film. It, right, just as a clue, a film we all like enjoyed. The thing. But it was the thing. Yes, you're okay. correct, Luke. Yeah. This was episode sixty-one. Whoa, the thing. That was ages ago. It was ages ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just a final, just a quick fire round. I'm going to give you a title of a film that we reviewed, and you yeah. try and tell me what episode number. It was okay. just just to try and work out the timeline in your head, okay? <laughs> so impossible, yeah. Thirteen ghosts. Seventy-two. It was episode forty-four. Right. Again, that doesn't feel like that that we reviewed that that long ago, but no. it was clearly a while ago. Okay, uh, twenty-eight days later. That would have been episode forty. It was episode twenty-eight. Really? Okay. How yeah. things come together, eh? Yeah. Uh, what about your cat people? Uh, episode 13? Episode 6. What? This uh, time's not working out in my head. Go on. Um, two more. Alone in the Dark. Episode 71. Episode 77. Well, ah. I mean, that's pretty close. We'll give you, give you a win for that. And the final one is It Follows. Which I think may have been the first episode where Andy joined us. Mm. I might be wrong on that, but let's say it was. I would say episode 22. 17. Episode Epi- 23. Oh, it's 22, I meant. Sorry. 23. <laughs> okay. uh, to be fair, like you're pretty spot on with two of those, at least. <laughs> out, out, of the yeah, out of all of them. You've got two. I was yeah. going to try and work out like 
to work out exactly how many hours of podcasts we've done, but I couldn't find a way to work right. it out real quick. <laughs> I was trying to like, I, was, I had an Excel spreadsheet open and stuff, but I couldn't quite copy the details I needed. So maybe I'll work that at some point as well. Yeah, you might be able to do it. Um, uh, maybe. I'll work out a way. Then we can work out, you know, the days, the days, the days we've spent yeah. just at each other. There we go. Episode cool. 100 in the bag. Done. Hellraiser done. That feels like we've crossed the big one off the list. Uh, so next, we're still going to, we're still working out the details of the 24 hour, hour, 24 hour aura marathon. I mean, hope, we're hoping it'll happen at some point in July. I'm sure it will. Yeah. But we're not sure when yet. So next week, Ariaster. Midsummer, yeah. Yeah, which obviously is getting a lot of a lot of it's on the hype circuit. It comes out this week. A lot, of, uh, a lot of I've seen a lot of reviews. Well, not actual reviews, but you know, just just one line discussions. Good. good. That you know, it's it's terrifying. It's it's uh, bone chilling. It's life changing. It's uh, genre defining. So you know, the only film that's ever actually been bone chilling for me was The Day After Tomorrow, only because it was really cold in the cinema. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was it, it was cold in the cinema as well, and in the film. So I don't know if it sort of added. And I had like an icy coke. Ah, uh, if you had an ice blast as well, that would have really. They never last long. I'm always finished with them before the film starts. Brain freeze. Yeah. There we go. Bone chilling. Brain chilling. Bone- Good fun. Yeah, come cool, on. So this show is brought well, to you by Hawk and Cleaver. Were you going to say something? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm going to say 100 episodes. Thanks, thanks to everyone who's ever yeah, listened yeah. to an episode. Thanks to anyone who's ever been a guest on the show because we've had a few. Thanks to anyone who's ever made a horror film, good or bad, for us to discuss and enjoy, uh, or not enjoy, because uh, without any of those elements. This podcast wouldn't exist. I I wouldn't exist. I would exist. Thanks but, to that guy who's hanging upside down in his car, listening to his, his final moments. Yeah. Thanks to that guy. If you made it yeah. to this point of the show. Thanks. If you made it to this point, get out of the car before it blows up. Too late. That's, yeah, Too late. Gone. Yeah. Full of flames. He died doing what he loved. <laughs> he st- stood on his balls. <laughs> <laughs> Ball of <laughs> no, that move is scored. Yeah, ball crush. Okay. Ball, a, a testicle kebab. This show is brought to you by uh, Hawk and Cleaver. Head over to hawkandcleaver.com. Become a patron of patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. Thanks to Kovach Cowman for our theme music. Thanks to ACAS for hosting the show. Thanks to the listeners. If you enjoyed the show, give us a rating review in iTunes and remember to hit subscribe. Thanks to my co host Ben for being a right horror dude. Thank you very much, Luke, for the 100th time. Thank you. We are now married. All right, so I'll end this episode. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.